Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. Today, we're going to talk about depression and um, I want to be sensitive around this topic uh, because when you're dealing with depression, uh, it's hard to describe, right? Like depression is a hard thing to really describe because when you talk about it, um, it, it, some people might say, well, just cheer up, you know, just, just be happy, right? Like you should just be able to be happier. And that could not be further from the truth. And, um, when you're dealing with it, sometimes it's just hard to get out of bed. You know, sometimes it's hard to come to church because there's people here and people, or just freak you out sometimes when you're depressed, right? Like it's, it's something that's very uh, different. People would never know how hard it is to, to um, get out of the house if you don't deal with it. People would never know that when you come home from church and you deal with depression, it sucks the life out of you. And they don't know that like, man, that really took everything that you had just to get there, right? Like, um, and depression isn't just sadness, I think a lot of times we think that depression is just being sad and depression isn't just sadness. It's something more than that. Depression is constant darkness. It's being completely emotionally numb. It's having zero like motivation to do anything. Um, it, it, it can feel like uh, when you are depressed and you struggle with this, that there's absolutely no hope. You have this constant sense of dread in your life. Um, and, and it's a really dark place to be in. And you know, church should be a safe place for you when you're depressed, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes uh, you come to church and you might hear someone say, well, just get the joy of the Lord in you or something. You're like, what does that even mean? You know, like it's not that simple. Um, or maybe if you are a Christ follower and you find yourself uh, struggling with depression, you feel like something's wrong with you. Like, I should just love God more, or uh, I've done something wrong, or there's something in my life that's not right, that's the devil's causing me to feel this way, and God's just punishing me, or whatever. And uh, other well-meaning Christians, they might say, hey, it's no big deal. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, suck it up, get tough, you know, and they, they might say these things. And, uh, and what that does is that makes a depressed person withdraw more, which makes them go further into depression, which actually doesn't help the problem. It actually hurts the person that we're dealing with this. And, and I, I don't understand that approach a lot of times with the church, because if you had blurry vision, what would someone tell you to do? Go to an eye doctor, go get glasses. You know, if you had a broken arm, someone wouldn't say, well, just suck it up, get tough. 
It's like, no, let's go get that arm taken care of. You know, let's go get a cast put on. Let's go see a doctor and let's go do something about it. But if someone who's a Christian struggles with depression, oftentimes they hear, just keep smiling. You know, just put a good face on. If you're a Hamilton fan, talk less, smile more, right? Like that's what someone would say. And, you know, I don't think that that's a great approach. And so if uh, many of you in here might be struggling with this, and it's one of the biggest mental health problems that we see in our culture in America right now. And I'm going to read a verse. And for some of it, if you're a depressed person in here, you might really identify with it. But the other part of the verse, you might get angry at it. And I want to let you know it's okay. It's okay to identify with it, but also be mad at it. But here's what the Bible says. It says this, Proverbs 12, verse 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And you're like, well, duh. You know, like, uh, tell me something I don't know, right? Like, because we all have anxieties. We have fears. uh, We we have stress. We we all know what it's like to be overwhelmed. um, And it causes us, eventually, it can cause us to go into depression. But here's what the rest of the verse says. But a good word makes it glad. And you're like, it's not that simple, Clint. There's a good word. What does that even mean for one thing, right? Like, and I understand that you might feel that way today. And I understand you might be coming in here and you might be struggling with depression or you might be listening online and you struggle with depression and, and you're like, this it's just too simple. It's, it's, it's more complex than this. And I would tell you, you're right. Depression is a very complex thing. Um, we're going to get into some of that here in a second. But I believe that this is the Word of God. And the Word of God has power. Uh, the Bible tells us that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, which means it can do things that other books cannot do. It's powerful. And so today, you're going to hear from the Word of God. And I want the Word of God to hopefully change you today. I want that to be the good Word, not something that I'm going to say. Uh, but something that God's word is saying to you, I, I think that it's going to minister to you today. So uh, the title of today's message is Two Truths to Remember When You're Fighting Depression. Two Truths to Remember When You're Fighting Depression. God, we need you. Would you meet us in this place today? God, we love you. I pray for the person that's struggling with this right now, that they would just have a sense of peace and calm come over their lives. And they would hear a good word today. I pray would make them glad in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today I'm excited to talk about this because it's something I think a lot of us face. But if you're uh, here and you're like, well, I I have a really terrible memory. How many of you have a terrible memory? Come on, raise your hand. All right. So this next slide is for you. Take notes, okay? Scan the QR code. Take notes. Fill it in. You can email these things to you. Come on. I don't see any phones moving right now. All right, so take notes. Get it out. Scan it. Get on the app. Take notes because you're going to want to remember a lot of this because I think it could help you, especially if you struggle. Man, lean in. Take some notes. Learn a little bit today, okay? So depression, I want to, you can leave that up for a little bit. Depression is a very complex issue. We're going to talk about all the complexities of it, all right? And uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, which by the way, anything that I buy that says one size fits all is a lie, by the way. It's, it's, now they've changed it to like, exactly. It's a one size fits some, all right, or most, maybe. <clears throat> that does not apply to Big Red, all right? So, um, yeah, sorry. I probably shouldn't refer to myself in third person by a nickname. Uh, but 
Uh, it's, it's not a one size fits all thing, right? Like it's not something that um, I can just say, well, do this right here and you're going to be perfect. Because that's not what depression is. That's not how we treat it. That's not what experts would tell us. Um, and so I want to acknowledge it for, even though I am wearing a cardigan today and glasses, I might look like a doctor. I'm not. All right. So um, I'm not a doctor by any means. I'm not a medical professional, uh, but I'm going to attack this from the spiritual perspective uh, because that's what I can speak on. Um, and as we go through this today, I want you to understand I am all for doctors. I'm all for getting medical help, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, but experts would tell us that there's really four common reasons why people get depressed. And uh, this is not an exhaustive list. There, there's, some, there's some things that probably could be added to this, but most experts would agree, doctors would agree, uh, that this, these four things kind of encompass most, uh, by and large, the vast majority of why people get depressed. And so um, the first one is this, is a biological reason that you could be depressed. All right, so if you're bad in depression right now, you might not have done anything wrong. I want you to understand that you may have done nothing wrong, but you might have a chemical imbalance. Uh, you might have something going on in your brain that needs to be uh, uh, looked at. You might struggle with chronic pain, and chronic pain can make you go, I mean, my gosh, I, can't, I don't struggle with that. I don't have that but it would make me go crazy. And you might struggle with some chronic pain. Uh, you, you might have a nutritional deficit. You might have some hormonal changes that are going on. Um, if you are in here sitting next to a woman, do not elbow her. Do not look at her on that. Okay. It's like, let it be. All right. You might have some more hormonal changes. Uh, you, you might have had a baby and you're struggling with some postpartum things. Um, you, you might not be sleeping enough. You, you might not be exercising enough. You might need some more sunlight. You might need to go outside and get some sunlight. Come on. And now is a good time to get sunlight, by the way, because it ain't real hot outside. Uh, there, there might be some biological reasons that you are depressed. The second one is relational. Uh, you, you might have some bi biological things that are making you depressed. You could have some relational things. Uh, you can have a big problem with one of your kids uh, that's been ongoing and things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. And you know how parents, I mean, you, how it is with your kids sometimes. That like consumes. There's no pain like kid pain, right? And so uh, you could have some relational issues. Your marriage could be falling apart or you could be struggling in a hard season right now in your marriage. Um, you could have an issue with someone you love in your life. Uh, you could have been rejected by someone close to you um, and that really caused some things to go wrong. Or, or maybe you lived through a global pandemic and couldn't be around people very much and, and that really had an effect on you and you're still dealing with that today. So there's some biological reasons. There's some relational reasons. There's some circumstantial reasons. Now these are things that are like out of your control. You may have lost somebody close to you. And man, that, that, you've really taken that hard and, and you've see, you saw this person decline and they finally passed away. Uh, you might be dealing with some trauma that happened to you, uh, that something went on and, and something happened to you. You were a victim of something and, and that could be causing some depression. Uh, financially, uh, you, you, you feel like you're falling behind and you just can't make enough because the cost of a carton of eggs is unbelievable and gas is going down though. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but like there's, there's things going on circumstantially, right? Um, uh, maybe it was something good, right? Like maybe you retired. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody right now. You retired and it was something good, but now you're like, what the heck is my purpose? Like I have no idea what to do with my time and I know I don't know what to do. Uh, and, and you might be struggling that way or, or maybe you're becoming an empty nester. 
And your whole life revolved around your kids and now these kids are leaving and they've left and you're like, I don't even know this man that I live with anymore. Like we've spent so much time with the kids that like now I feel weird. Circumstantial reasons, right? So biological reasons, relational reasons, circumstantial reasons. And the last one is this, spiritual reasons. You could be facing a real spiritual attack. The enemy could be coming after you. You know, the Bible tells us that the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. Of course he wants you depressed. Of course he wants to do things and attack you because, man, he knows that his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can make you depressed, man, it's so much easier to affect you that way. And so these are the four things, and I'm going to speak more on the spiritual side of things today, but man, if you need to go see a doctor, please go see a doctor. If you need therapy, go, go to a therapist. Go work through some stuff. I'm all about it. I don't want you to hear anything else, but, uh, but we're going to talk from the spiritual perspective today. Well, today we're going to look at the Old Testament, look at a man of God. He was a prophet of God. He was the mouthpiece of God. He was young, and he actually was a prophet during a really terrible time in the nation of Israel. This guy's name is Jeremiah. Y'all say Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh, come on. Y'all say Jeremiah. There we go. Now you may remember Solomon's temple. We have a picture of it right here. It was beautiful. It, it symbolized God's presence with his people. And so this was an extremely important thing that the Israelites, that the Jewish people uh, in Israel had to remember kind of uh, what their journey with God, the, the fact that God literally dwelled with them, and it was a big deal. And it stood for 400 years, this, this uh, temple did, until sadly it was uh, torn down in, where's, in 587 B.C. And so Jeremiah, this prophet, is alive during the time where this temple would have been torn down. And he saw things that you and I would hope we would never see. He, he saw things that I hope that we would never experience. And I actually had another example I was going to share here um, to kind of get us to understand what he may have seen, what he may have experienced, just a little bit. But I wrote this three weeks ago. And since then, there's been some crazy things happening in the Middle East. And as I was looking over this yesterday, I thought, this is what Jeremiah experienced. He experienced another nation coming in to his people, and they were brutally murdering them, taking kids away from families, fighting in the streets. He saw his friends and loved ones laying in the street dead, from an enemy that came in from the outside and destroyed everything that he knew, everything that his people knew, just like what's happening or what happened uh, a week ago in Israel. And I don't know if you've seen the videos and the reports of what's been happening, but that's exactly what it was like for Jeremiah. And can you imagine being a prophet, having to be a mouthpiece of God in the face of that evil in the face of that destruction, in the face of uh, just unimaginable evil that's going on. And I, I, never mind. And this man of God is tasked with telling the people during this time, communicating with God during this time, uh, what God is saying. 
And so he begins to have a conversation with God in the midst of seeing all of this happen. Imagine a prophet, which, you know, we don't, we don't, God doesn't speak to us this way anymore. But imagine if there's a prophet over in Israel right now and God's given him the task to write what he says. Now, that would be the, the conflict that you would have, right? Like just internal conflict. And so this man of God, he writes this and look at how he describes what he's feeling. Look at the metaphors he's using. It's perfect as we talk about depression. It's perfect as we talk about uh, kind of what we deal with sometimes. And this is in the Bible. It's in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction. By the rod of the Lord's wrath, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with change. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Even when I call out and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Some of you are identifying with this because this is how you feel. You've you've never been able to articulate it, but this is how you feel when you struggle with depression. I I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord, it's gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. This prophet of God, this man of God, he's completely hopeless. And he's momentarily without hope. And there are people that have walked in this room. There are people that are listening to this right now uh, on, on your AirPods as you drive to work and you feel this way. You feel like, man, there is no hope. I feel like I'll never be able to come out of this darkness. I feel like I'm always going to struggle with this. I have this pit in my stomach, this sense of dread that just won't go away. I I feel like I I can't be close to anybody because I, I can't trust anybody. And you feel a lot like what we just read about. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to give you two truths to remember when you're battling depression. The first truth is this. Your emotions are valid. Your emotions are valid. I want you to understand, like, uh, you don't hear that a lot in church, but what you're feeling is valid. You, you might be sad. You might feel hopeless. And what you're feeling is, is valid. I want you to understand that. I want you to know that. Here's the second truth. Your situation feels hopeless. So your emotions are valid and your situation feels hopeless. If, if you're depressed right now, you don't really know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know how to get help. You don't know if you even can be helped. Like you feel hopeless. Now, now these two things, they're true. Your emotions are valid. Your situation's hopeless. They're, they're true, but they're incomplete. These are not complete truths. So I want to share you with you the complete truths. Okay, Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. Your emotions may be valid, but they're not permanent. And your situation may feel hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. Come on, your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. 
There's always hope in the presence of God, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when it feels like there's nothing good, there's always hope when it comes to God. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? There's always hope uh, when it comes to God. I want to drive these truths home to you today because I believe that God wants to bring you a good word so that you can have hope today. I believe it. I believe God wants to bring you a good word so that you can have hope. All right, so let's talk about this first one. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent, okay? Uh, when you hurt, you, you don't know where to turn, and, and you feel like you've done it all, and you can't get out, and, and your emotions are valid. And your emotions are actually a, a big part of your healing. I want you to understand that. And if you're a guy in here, you're like... He's talking about all these emotions and all that. I don't know. Emotions. I don't know. Yes, you have emotions, and I hope that you can identify with them a little bit more today, all right? It's not girly. It's, not, it's actually a good thing. All right, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about it. Uh, experts will tell you that when you have an emotion, you actually need to identify what the emotion actually is, and you need to name it. We try to do this with our kids because typically emotions, when they get to a certain point, they will come out. But they will come out in anger first. Like anger is the thing that's going to come out, right? But we need to learn how to name our emotions and identify them. So if you feel sad, you need to say it. If you feel sad, you need to say it. If you feel angry, say it. If you feel lonely, admit it. Say it, right? Like if you feel depressed, say it. If you feel afraid, say it. Speaking of being afraid, y'all are so lucky that tarantulas cost so much money because I was about to have one here. And they're $150, and I'm not doing that. All right, so, uh, but who would pay that? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid of spiders. I'll, I'll admit it. If you are afraid of spiders, just raise your hand. You're not alone today. Come on. If I had a tarantula and I brought it out here to you right now, how would you react? you kill it? Okay, it'd be gone. Uh, now Christiana's a murderer. I'm joking. Uh, I would too. I don't like spiders. Well, this uh, university did a study and they found people that were afraid of spiders, all right? And so they split them up into four groups. Four groups. Group one, they showed them the spider and what they wanted group one to do is they wanted to label what they were feeling in the moment. So they would look at the tarantula and they would say, I feel afraid. I freaking hate this right now. They would just say, I, I, they would write down how they feel. Uh, group two, they would just make observations about the situation. They showed them the tarantula. Group two would say, the tarantula is big. The tarantula is in a terrarium. The tarantula has a surprising amount of hair. Uh, the tarantula's fangs look big. They would just make observations. Group three, uh, they would just say something irrelevant. So they would show them the spider. Group three would be like, it's Tuesday and it looks like it could rain today. That's what they would do. Group four, they didn't do anything. Don't say anything at all. Open the cage, or not open the cage, show them the tarantula and then see what they did. Then they took the same people and a week later had them come back and be exposed to the tarantula again. And they were observing what changes were made in the midst of this, right? So uh, they had group one through four there and they were looking like, did they sweat? <coughs> Excuse me, did their heart rate increase? Uh, did they, you know, mess their pants? Uh, what did they do, right? Like what's going on? And what they discovered is that out of the four groups, by far, 
the group that did the best was group one, the group that named their emotions and wrote them down. They were less nervous, and in fact, a lot of them actually touched the tarantula after just being exposed one time, writing their emotions down one time, coming back a week later, it had seemed to have cured a lot of people from the actual feeling and the fears that they were having. Isn't that amazing? Don't y'all want to see a tarantula now? I don't either. I don't have one. All right. Told you 150 bucks. I ain't made of money. What are you doing? All right. So uh, what they learn from that and what experts would teach you is this. Naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. Naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. Your emotions are actually valid. Like you're actually experiencing them and they're not a bad thing. What happens though is a lot of us let our emotions take the driver's seat of our lives and they dictate everything that we do. So sometimes when you're, you're having an emotion and you can't identify it, it'll hop in the driver's seat and it'll control how you respond, how you react, how you talk to people, how you treat your spouse, how you talk to your kids, uh, how much you're going to yell at your kids. And it's going to do all these things. They're valid. Your emotions are valid, but they're valid, but they're not permanent. When you name your emotions, it opens the door for God to do something about it, to change it. And because, of our, because our emotions are temporary, it's very important. Because a lot of us make this mistake that we're about to talk about right here. When we don't think that our emotions are temporary, we start doing some things that we will later regret or that hurt the people around us. Because we're not going to make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. We're not going to do it. A lot of times when we feel an emotion and we don't deal with it, all of a sudden we start making permanent decisions based on a temporary emotion. All men are just, uh, you know, I, I, all churches are, all women, they're like, and all of a sudden, you start making some permanent decisions based on some temporary emotions that you've experienced somewhere. And we're not going to do that. When you're afraid, when you feel uh, threatened, you, you feel like quitting on your marriage. That's what you feel like. You feel like quitting on your marriage. You feel like quitting on God. You feel like running out of the door. Uh, you feel like shutting everybody out. You feel like getting drunk again. You feel like doing all these things when you start experiencing these emotions, but we're not going to make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Some of you, you might be struggling in your marriage and, and it might be, tempers might be high in your house and tension might be real high at your house and it could be palpable in your house. Well, hey, we're not going to decide to get split up in the midst of that emotion. We're going to let things calm down. We're going to get help and we're going to start seeing things clearly because I don't want to make a permanent decision about my marriage and about my kids' future and about things like that when I'm feeling high on emotion that I can uh, work through if I just had the right tools. Uh, you don't make permanent decisions based on a temporary emotion that you're experiencing. And some of you might even hear the devil whispering in your ears like you people would be better off if you just weren't in the picture. You should just end it all now. You're such a burden to everybody. Listen to me. Do not make a permanent decision about your life off of a temporary emotion. That is never, ever, ever, ever the right thing to do. Instead, just pick up the phone call somebody, 
get some help, but we're not going to make a permanent decision based off of temporary emotion because your emotions can change. Your emotions can be worked through. So your emotions, they might be valid, but they're not permanent. So you might be feeling depressed right now. You might be feeling like, man, there's no hope. That's valid, but that's not permanent. You're not always going to feel that way. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a day where you can walk out of the darkness and slowly start to come into the light because your emotions, that might be valid, but they're not permanent. The second truth we're going to look at, your situation may feel hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. Situation, it may feel hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. You may not see it. You may not believe it. You may not even feel it but I want to bring a good word to you today. All right, so let's go back to the text and let's look at verse 20. All right, Lamentations 3 and verse 20. He says, man, he's depressed. His soul is downcast. Then in verse 21, it says this. He says, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. So he says all this bad stuff. I feel like I'm walking in constant darkness. I feel like you've been shut out from me, God. I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. I feel like I have no hope. I've seen all my family get killed, and I've seen my friends get brutally taken away to this other kingdom, but, and I feel downcast. And then he says, yet, I call this to mind, and I have hope. I have hope. And it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions They never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, I love that. The word word for love in Hebrew is the word has said, all right? The word has said. And if you study the Hebrew language, it's not like English. In English, uh, words are pretty simple. Um, They mean what they mean. But in Hebrew languages, words, it, words kind of paint a picture. They, they illustrate an idea. Sometimes they illustrate a thought. So they, they illustrate more, it's more uh, robust. It, it's more dense of words. And so this word has said doesn't just mean love. It doesn't mean like love. Like we would say, man, I love you, Carson. Like you're a great dude. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And, and it's not that kind of love. This love means an unbreakable devotion to God's promises. It means conventional commitment to God's character. It's a little bit more of an understanding. He says, man, uh, because of God's great has said, because of his great love, we're not consumed. Because God is so committed to his promises for you, because God is so committed to his character, which his character is good, it's because of those things that we can have hope. It's because of those things that we can experience his compassion. And this word for compassion, I love this word for compassion. It's the word uh, rahamah. Y'all say rahamah. Some of y'all need to call your grandmother that. Rahamah, right? It's, I don't know. Uh, but it, it's, it means this. It means it's the same root word that means the mother's womb. All right, so this compassion is the idea. And what happens in the womb? In the womb, it's a safe place for the baby. It's a sanctuary where life begins, right? In the womb, life is nourished and it's strengthened, it's protected. And it's in this womb, in his womb, that this compassion, it never fails, right? Like in God's care, in God's environment, in this place where you can grow, man, his compassions never fail. 
because of his great love, his compassions, they never, never fail. He gives you what you need every day. Just like in a mom's womb, that baby is getting everything it needs from the mom. The mom eats stuff, it gets transported over to the baby, and it gets taken care of every single day. God does the same thing with you. There's daily grace. There's daily mercy. There's daily bread. There's daily compassion. There's always hope when it comes to God. Why? Because his compassions, they never fail. You can count on God. God will protect you. Man, he will, he will see it through to the end with you. He will be there through. You can always come to God and get the nourishment that you need. You can always come to God, get the hope that you need. You can always come to God, get the grace that you need every single day because his compassions, they never fail. They're never going to stop. It's always going to keep coming. And there's nothing we can do to get out of that because God loves us that much. So what do we do when it feels so dark though? Okay, Glenn, I hear you, but what do I do? Like, it, it feels so dark. I want to encourage you. Acknowledge and admit that you might need help. That's what you need to do. Acknowledge and admit that you might need help. It's not a weakness. Admitting that you need help is not weakness. Men, I want you to look at me in this room right now. It's not, it's not weakness to admit that you need help. Quit trying to carry this on your own, man. You can't. You're not strong enough. You're, you're just not. You need to get some other dudes in your life, some other men in your life that care about you and that love you, and they're going to help you right now. And man, it's hard to admit sometimes, man, that when we're feeling like we can, we're not good enough, that we're, when we admit it, it's just going to make our whole world crumble. But no, there's men in this room that love you. There's men in this room that want to push you to be the best person you can be, to be the best dad you can be, to be the best husband you can be. Come on, to be the best leader you can be, to be a man of God. We have a men's group. Meets Tuesday mornings, right, Matt? What time? Seven. Seven. Legacy? Or you meet at your house? Well, we meet at Matt's house, 7 a.m. on Tuesdays. You need to get there. Cecil. And Cecil. Yeah, Cecil's got a group where you smoke meat. Come on. Open up over a smoked brisket, somebody. Come on now. That's what the Bible says, I believe, somewhere. <laughs> I don't think they did some pulled pork, but they may have done a beef brisket, you know. Uh, that was a dumb joke, sorry. People in the Bible didn't eat pork. That was why. Either, anyway, men. You might need help. It's okay. We want to help you. I, 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 if I could have one goal, I want you to leave here thinking that you can't do it on your own because you can't. You need other men in your life. And man, we have, we have people that are in your corner. They're going to show up for you. And, and you know what? You're going to share something and someone's going to look back at you and go, me too. I've dealt with that. It's not a weakness. It's not a weakness. It's okay to get help. Ladies, man, I'm not a lady. Your brains confuse me. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what's going on in there half the time. You said me too? Okay, okay, good. At least I'm not the only one that thinks that. But there's a lot happening in your life. You feel the pressure of your children and, and some of you just your home and then also having a career. And you feel like you haven't talked to an adult in six years. And you feel like you're stuck in this cycle of just like, all I do is take care of everybody and I haven't had time to do anything for myself. And I just give, 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 give. And there's no one giving anything back. And whew, you're exhausted. 
go get help. There's a ladies group. Meets on Wednesday nights at the McNeil's place. That's where all things get better, at the McNeil's house right there. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Allison will cook a mean lasagna. I'll pay for it, Matt. If Allison wants to cook somebody lasagna, I'll pay for it. it is, I'm just the best lasagna I've ever had in my life. But, but you, need, you need women in your life, ladies. They're going to help you. They're going to come shoulder to shoulder with you. And you can just open up, share everything on your heart, and you're going to have an army of ladies there ready to help you. Come on, if you're a married couple in here, Sunday, every other Sunday, guess where? McNeil's house. Your marriage is struggling? Get there. Come. Let's talk about it. It is the most judgment-free zone. We had people show up for the first time this past week. It was a ton of fun. Love it. And it was great, wasn't it? It was so fun. It was good. And if you just need it in your life. You need to see what a godly marriage looks like so you can go, you know what? They're doing something that we're not. And let's see what they're doing so that we can be better. Our kids need better. You might need to talk to a counselor. You might need to go to a doctor. You might need to change your diet. You might need to exercise. You might need to start journaling. You might need to get in a group because if you're not in a group, you better come on. Oh, come on now. You, you might need to pray. You might need to pause. Come on. You might need to praise. We talked about this last week. So when you do these different types of things, here's what happens. It starts to change you. It actually starts to change your posture. Have you ever seen the posture of somebody that um, is, you know is depressed? What do they look like? Just heads down, Eeyore, yeah. Shoulders are down. They're kinda, they can't make eye contact. They're kind of staring at their feet, and they talk like this, and it's just, you know. They're sighing a lot, just... And, and being around them feels like it's sucking the life out of you. You know what I'm talking about sometimes? Their posture is just so different. You know, I can't prove what I'm about to say. But if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on it. But I would, I would almost guarantee you that when Jeremiah said these next words, he was starting here. God, I'm in darkness. I feel weighed down right now. I feel like I can't escape, God. I feel like I keep trying to pray to you. And I feel like my prayers are being shut out. I feel like you've forgotten about me. And then he says, but I call this to mind. His posture changes. His shoulders get strong. His head looks up. He says, I call this to mind. Because not only does your posture reflect your mood, but it also impacts your mood. So posture not only reflects the way that you feel, it also impacts the way that you feel. You know, if you are in our dream team, if you've showed up for a huddle before, the very first thing we do every single week when we get together before church is I look at everybody, I make, force them to smile. Show me your teeth. Come on, watch this. Come on, show me your teeth. Come on, smile. Come on, hi, give me a good smile. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here, smile. Here we go. I'm coming for everybody. Smile. Nate, smile. All right, here we go. Smile, mom and dad. Janet, I see, I see your eyes smiling. You're good. All right, smile. Come on, smile. Everybody smile. Mia, can you give me a smile? She's asleep. I put her asleep. There we go. Perfect. Beautiful. All right, come on in the back. Chetney, smile. Cecil. Come on, Kim, Josh. 
Smile. Here we go. Yep, smile. Come on. Smile. Let me see it. Everybody. Justin, here we go. Smile. Mayor, here we go. Smile. Harrison, right here. Smile. Tyler in the back. Smile. Who's back there? Shelby. Ryan. Smile. Look, what happened to the room just now? Feels lighter, doesn't it? Everyone started, you laughed a little bit, you giggled. Why? Because your brain is not as smart as you think it is. It's actually quite dumb. When you smile, you fool your brain into going, I am happy. I'm in a good mood right now. Because your posture not only reflects your mood, but it impacts your mood. I make our dream team do that because guess what? We're turning up the heat a little bit when we start on Sundays. I want you to come into a place where you know that you're welcomed, that feels warm, or you can meet the spirit of God in this place. And it all starts with being welcomed by people that want to be here. They smile, right? Like, that's what we do. We're going to lift the room because your, your body language, your posture, your facial expressions, it impacts your mood. It can trick your brain into thinking, man, I, I am actually a little happy, right? And I'm sure Jeremiah is writing these words and his posture begins to change. He starts to get a little bit more passionate. You know, when I start, uh, I, I try to walk every day. I try to get at least 8,000 steps in every day. And so when I do this, man, I'll tell you, when I start, I do not want to do it ever. Like it's rarely a time I'm like, I cannot wait to go walk two miles today. Woo! You know, I'm, I just, that's not me. I, I'm not excited. But what happens? I start doing it and I get out there and I, all of a sudden about a quarter mile in, I'm like, I'm about to run a marathon right here, folks. That's what I, I, st I start. My posture changes. I start walking tall. I'm listening to something, probably a true crime podcast. And I'm just like, let's go. You know, I'm ready to go because my posture changes and it changes my mentality. It changes my mood. Ne Jeremiah, he's writing this and he's saying, I say to myself, that's what he said. He says, I say to myself, sometimes, listen, you need to preach to yourself sometimes. Sometimes you got to say something to yourself. You got to preach to yourself. Sometimes you just have to speak some truth into your life because sometimes there's no one around. To sp I'm not going to be with you all the time, but sometimes you have to say to yourself, man, you got to preach to yourself sometimes. And all of a sudden Jeremiah is preaching to himself. He says, hey, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I'm not experiencing the joy that I want to experience right now, but he is my portion. I'm going to wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Man, it's, he's good to those whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes you just got to preach to yourself, church. Sometimes your, your soul gets downcast and it's time to change your disposition. It's time to change your posture. It's time to speak some truth in your life. And sometimes you need to say, the Lord is my portion. Come on, this, this depression is not my portion. The Lord is my portion, right? The, the Lord is my ever-present help in time of trouble. The, the, the Lord is good to me today. The Lord is with me today. The Lord is my fortress. Come on, the Lord is the lifter of my head. And he's going to change your posture. And, and you sometimes you need to say, I'm convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor heights, nor depths, no powers, no depression, no anxiety, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Some people need to say that in their life today because it's going to start to change your posture. It's going to start to change what you believe. It's going to start to lift your head in this place a little bit. Some of you, you need to say that to yourself today. Come on, you need to say some truths of God over your life today. Some of you, you need a good word today. I hope you got a good word today. Sometimes you need a good word just to give you a little hope. I want you to know you can do it. Come on, God's with you. You can get through this. Come on, this is the coach and the face mask moment. You got this. 
feel what you need to feel. It's okay to feel that way. But you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to set up camp where we are. We're going to keep walking. We're going to keep walking. Even if it's one step, we're just going to take our next step. Come on, you need to find some areas where you're weak in your life and you need to replace those with truths of God's word. Maybe you worry a lot. And maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you have a sense of dread. Replace those with some truths of God's word and speak them out loud to yourself every day. Some of you needed a good word today. But some of you need to experience the word today. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is, he's the word is what it describes him in John 1, that Jesus is the word. And you might need a good word, but some of you might need the word. You might need Jesus to intervene in your life today. Come on, you've been running from God and, and you've been trying out other stuff and it's not working and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Come on, you need to meet the word today. And I'll tell you, that word will give you hope today. Jesus will give you hope today. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can come in and your circumstances might not change, but today your hope can change. Come on, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. If you're in here and you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, and that's something you want to do, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, lift your hand. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, it's okay. All right, you can say this prayer. Say, God, I invite you into my life. I have messed up. I have done it wrong. But God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I invite you into my heart today. I make you the Lord of my life today. <clears throat> and in the best way I know how, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.